the almighty, unchanging, all-powerful creator of the universe, God himself cares about you. In Psalm 8, verse 4, David asks, What is man that you, God, are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? How can the holy, almighty, perfect, sinless God of the universe possibly care about me when I'm such a screw-up? Well, as hard as that may be to grasp, the fact is God loves you with an everlasting love. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. Welcome to episode number 24 of the Point of Purity podcast. Today, we begin our first look into Psalm 27. Today's episode answers the question, does God really care about me? David opens Psalm 27 with these words from verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I find it very significant that David starts this particular psalm with the words, The Lord is. Let me explain. David is using the name Jehovah here. Now, this name, Jehovah, the the Lord, intentionally identifies God as the almighty, unchanging, all-powerful creator of the universe who keeps his promises and provides for you. The point that David's making by using God's name Jehovah here is to draw our attention to the fact that the almighty, all-powerful, most holy God of the universe cares about you. Oh, don't miss this. Don't skip over this name in verse 1, thinking we need to find some other great, significant, powerful truth in this text. I want to intentionally park here on this name for God. I want us to let the weight of its meaning and the power of its message sink deep into the nooks and crannies of our heart. I strongly submit that the first two words of Psalm 27 are vitally important. The Almighty, unchanging, all-powerful God, Jehovah, the Lord, cares about you. He keeps His promises to you. He provides daily for you because He loves you. He is the Lord. In Psalm 24, verse 8, as he's thinking and contemplating who God is, David asks, Who is this King of glory? He then answers by saying, The Lord, Jehovah, strong and mighty, the Lord, Jehovah, mighty in battle. You see, this is who cares deeply about you, my friend. David cries out in Psalm 8, verse 9, O Lord, Jehovah, our Lord, our Jehovah, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And here in Psalm 27, verse 1, David is declaring to the world that it is Jehovah, it is the Lord that is your light and your salvation. It is Jehovah, it is the Lord who's the stronghold of your life. It's because of the God who cares about you, Jehovah, that you have nothing and no one to fear. Only the Lord, only Jehovah, can be and is your light 
and your salvation the stronghold of your life. Still focusing our full attention on the first two words of Psalm 27, 1. I want you to specifically zero in on the fact that the Lord, Jehovah, cares for you. Do you believe that? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 instructs us to cast all our anxieties upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Think about that. God cares about you. So cast all your anxieties upon him. Cast them. Don't just show them to him as if they were on display in a high security vault. Don't don't just casually mention them to him as if they were the end credits to a movie. Cast them. Throw them. Utterly and totally get rid of them. Willingly choose. Voluntarily place all of your anxieties upon the God who cares for you. And how many of them? All. A-L-L. All of them, each and every one of them, the whole and totality of all your anxieties, all of them, cast all your anxieties upon the Lord, upon Jehovah. Why? Because he cares for you. Understand this, my friend. You and everything about you are of high importance to the almighty, all-powerful, most holy, sovereign designer and creator of the universe. You and your thoughts, your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations, your fears, your anxieties, everything about you is of greatest concern and of greatest interest to your heavenly Father. That's why Psalm 55 verse 22 commands you to give your burdens to the Lord, to Jehovah. And he, Jehovah, will take care of you. He, Jehovah, will not permit the godly to slip and fall, Psalm 55 22. Think about that. The Lord, Jehovah, cares about you. Now, I admit that sometimes that can be a bit hard to wrap our brain around. Am I right? I mean, David ponders that point in Psalm 8, verse 4, when he asks, What is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? In other words, David's asking, How can the holy, almighty, perfect, and sinless God of the universe possibly care about a dirty, rotten, ugly, sinful guy like me when I am such a screw-up? Can you relate? Why would God, why would the Lord, why would Jehovah want to have anything to do with me when I turn my back on him almost daily? Well, as hard as that may be to grasp, the fact is Christ loved the church. He loved you, and he gave himself up for you, Ephesians 5.25. God says in Jeremiah 31, verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. John 3.16 reminds us that God demonstrated that perfect love for you when he gave his only son, that whoever, and that whoever includes you, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 the Lord, Jehovah, cares about you. And he wants you to cast all your anxieties upon him. 
So I ask you, why are you carrying the heavy load of your sinful habits? Why are you trudging through life with that three-headed dragon of lust, porn, and masturbation clinging to your back? You are urged, you are challenged, you are commanded in Scripture to cast all your burdens, all your anxieties upon the Lord. Never lose sight, my friend, of the fact that Jesus already bore the load for you. I mean, after all, 1 Peter 2 verse 24 tells us that Christ bore all of your sins. Did you catch that? All of your sins he bore in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live for what is right. Why then? Why are you daily choosing to carry that burden? Why are you choosing to continue to live for what is wrong instead of living for what is right? Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5 reminds us that Jesus took up our pain. He bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. Jesus already bore your load. He already paid the ultimate price for your sin and for mine for our freedom from that sin. That's why he cares so much about your struggle with sexual temptation. That's why he cares so much about your battle against the three-headed dragon. This is why he cares about your sexual purity. Jesus reminds us in Luke 12, verse 7, that God cares so much about you that even the hairs of your head are all numbered. The fact is... God cares about all the little things in your life. And I submit, if God cares enough to keep a running tally of how many hairs are attached to your head each and every day, then he certainly cares about your battle against the beast of sexual impurity. After all, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 26, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Think about that. If God meets the needs of birds who are not made in his image, who have no individual volitional will to choose to worship him or reject him, how much more will he care for your needs? Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 encourages us to not be anxious about anything, But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why? Because he cares for you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? This is precisely why David declares in Psalm 23, verse 1, that the Lord, Jehovah, is my shepherd. I shall not want. So don't be apprehensive about surrendering your ability to fight the battle over to God. Don't be hesitant to trust the Lord in the midst of your struggle. As we saw in our study of Psalm 25, you are to daily lift up your soul to God. You're to daily trust Him completely to work amazing things in your life. You will never regret that decision. 
And by the way, if you're just joining this podcast, may I strongly encourage you to invest the time to go back and listen to the previous episodes. I promise you, you won't regret it. Well, I want you to notice that in our current text of Psalm 27, verse 1, David uses the present tense when he says, The Lord is my light. He is my salvation. You see, David's not saying that the Lord was my light and my salvation, as if it happened sometime in the past. Nor is he saying that the Lord will be my light and my salvation, as if it's going to happen somewhere down the line in the near or far future. David is not saying that the Lord could be my light and my salvation, as if it's just a mere possibility. And he's not saying that the Lord should be my light and my salvation, as as if somehow God may choose not to be. Uh Uh-uh. David is crystal clear here that the Lord, Jehovah, is, present tense, right here, right now, he is my light. He is my salvation. Now, I want to take a quick walk through just some of the Psalms with you, and let's discover together a few of the times when the psalmist uses the particular phrase, the Lord is is. Now, as you listen to these verses, I want you to do two things. First, I want you to note in each of these verses, the word Lord is in reference to Jehovah. If you were reading the verse in your Bible, you would see it in all capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's in reference to Jehovah, the almighty God who cares for you. And the second thing I want you to do is hear me place the emphasis upon the word is, present tense, the almighty, all-powerful, most holy, sovereign creator of the universe who cares about you, always is blank. So here we go. Psalm 9, verse 9. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in the times of trouble. Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Psalm 73, 1, the Lord is good to those who are pure in heart. Psalm 91, 2, the Lord is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Psalm 92, 15, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Psalm 110, verse 5, the Lord is at your right hand. Psalm 116, verse 5, the Lord is gracious and righteous, and he is full of compassion. Psalm 118, verse 7, the Lord is with me. He is my helper. Psalm 121, verse 5, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. Psalm 135, verse 3, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Psalm 135, verse 5, the Lord is great. Our Lord is greater than all gods. In Psalm 144, verse 2, the Lord 
is my loving God, my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge. Whew. These are just a few of the verses found all throughout Scripture telling us what the Lord, what Jehovah is to you and to me. Hopefully you can begin to see and understand just how powerful those three little words are in our base text of Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Hopefully you can begin to appreciate the point that David's making here in this verse. The Lord Jehovah, the almighty, all-powerful, most holy, sovereign creator of the universe who deeply cares about me is, right here and right now, forevermore, he is my light and my salvation. Well, let me take another brief moment here and draw your attention to yet another small but powerful word in this verse. You see, David writes in Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Here's the point I'm wanting to make here. David is making this personal. He's not saying that the Lord is a light, not even that he is the light, but rather he is my light and my salvation. Remember, my friend, we are talking about Jehovah here, the almighty God who cares about you. He is your light. He is your salvation. Okay, now let's take a few moments to focus on the words, the Lord is my light, in Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light. God warns us in Isaiah 59, verse 2, that when you choose King me over God, your iniquities, your sinful choices, make a separation between you and your God. Your sins hide his face from you so that he does not hear you. In other words, When King Me is sitting on the throne of your heart, you are choosing to turn away from God's pure and holy light towards sin's evil and wicked darkness. You have chosen the way of the wicked, a way that, as we saw in a previous episode, Proverbs 4.19 says, it's like deep darkness. And when you choose to walk in that darkness, the verse goes on to say, you do not know over what you stumble. In other words, when you choose to put King Me on the throne of your heart, when you choose to walk in darkness instead of God's light, my friend, don't be shocked, don't be surprised when you stumble and fall in your spiritual walk. Don't be shocked when you sin. Now, on the flip side, when you choose to daily, moment by moment, follow the lordship and leadership of God in your life, you're also choosing to turn your back on the darkness of sin and instead walk in the light of God's glorious presence. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 2, A wise man's heart inclines him to the right. Now let me quote that to you again. Listen carefully. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 2. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right. In other words, a wise man will turn his heart toward God and the light. But, the verse goes on to say, a fool's heart inclines him to the left. In other words, the fool will always turn away from God toward King Me, toward utter darkness. Here's my point. When you choose to turn your back on King Me, you're choosing to walk in the light. 
When you choose to walk in the light, you will not walk in darkness. You will not stumble. You will not fall. You will not sin. Oh, my friend, don't let this truth slip by without stopping long enough to notice it and truly comprehend it. When you keep your focus on God, when you choose to walk in His light, you will not lust. Choose to walk in God's light, and you will not look at porn. Keep God on the throne of your heart. Walk in His light, and you will not masturbate. You will not commit adultery. You will not be involved in any sexual impurity. It just won't happen. So David begins Psalm 27 by declaring in verse 1, The Lord the Almighty, all-powerful, most holy, sovereign one who cares about me is my light. And he's the only one I choose to follow. That simple statement declared to the world David's willful, intentional, purposeful decision to daily turn his back on King Me to daily follow the only one who can show him how to navigate through life in a way that truly glorifies his Creator. So what about you? Are you willing? Are you able? Are you ready to make that same declaration? The Lord is my light. He's the only one I choose to follow. First John chapter 1, verse 5 declares, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So if we say we have fellowship with him while we're walking in the darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 5. Ephesians 5, 8 says, At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. So again, I ask you, what about you? Are you boldly declaring, just as David did in Psalm 27, 1, that the Lord is your light? Let me put it to you this way. Are you claiming to be a follower of Christ? Now, I'm going to assume that your answer is, yes, I am a follower of Christ. So I now ask you this, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, why are you still walking in darkness? By that I mean, why are you daily choosing to live for King me? Remember, when you choose to live for King me, you're choosing me over God, you're choosing darkness over light, you're choosing sin over salvation. For the Christian, there must be no room for darkness. No spot in your life reserved at all for King Me. If you claim to be a Christ follower and yet continue to live for King Me, you are a liar. You're not practicing the truth. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 5, that as a born-again believer, as a child of God, You are children of light, children of the day. You are not of the night or of the darkness, 1 Thessalonians 5.5. 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So again, I ask you, are you a Christ follower? Let me repeat John 8, 12. Jesus is the light of the world. When you choose to follow Christ, when you daily choose to deny yourself, Luke 9, 23, take up your cross, when you choose to turn your back on King me and worship and serve only God, the promise that Jesus gives to you in John 8, 12 is that you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. When you walk in darkness, when you choose to give in to that three-headed dragon of lust, porn, and masturbation, when you allow the beast of sexual impurity to thrive within your heart, you are not a Christ follower. You're not following Jesus. Instead, you're letting King me call all the shots. Oh, you you may be a Christian. I'm not saying you're, you're not saved. But in that moment, in that King me moment, as you choose to give in to your temptation, you're not a Christ follower. You're a King me worshiper. You're an idolater. You're worshiping a false God. As we saw in Matthew 6, 24, it is not possible to serve two masters at the same time. Either you're going to love the one, you're going to love King me, and you're going to hate the other, you're going to hate God, or you'll be devoted to the one, you'll be devoted to God, and you'll despise the other, you'll despise King me. You cannot serve both. Philippians 2.15 says, We are always, always to be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom we are to shine as lights in the world. So I challenge you, think about this. When you are living for King me, when you are choosing to walk in darkness, it is impossible for you to shine as a light in the world. When you are dark, you cannot be light. It just cannot be done. So I have a question for you to seriously consider here. As a Christian, we now understand that we are to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven, Matthew 5.16. Here's my question. How are you doing with that? Be honest. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with letting your light shine? You see, the only way, the only way that shining for Christ will consistently happen in your life is when you faithfully choose to walk in obedience to 2 Corinthians 6.14 and not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? The answer, none, nada, zip, zero, zilch, the big goose egg. You see, 1 Corinthians 15.33 tells us bad company ruins good morals. Lust, porn, masturbation. My friend, that's bad company. Bad company. And you cannot, you must not even play around with it. Proverbs 5 verse 8 says, don't even go near the door. Romans 13.14 says, don't even entertain the thought. Even 
just a little lust, and just a little porn, and masturbation just this one more time, that has an impact on your Christian walk. That choice to give in, just this one more time, just a little bit more, that has a powerful influence on your ability, or inability as it were, to shine for Christ. It's why God's word warns in Galatians 5 verse 9 that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little sexual impurity is still sexual impurity. In Matthew 24 verse 4, Jesus said, See to it that no one leads you astray. And I submit, listen to me now, listen, I submit That includes Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Tumblr, Pinterest, Snapchat, Sports Illustrated. On I could go with the list. See that no one leads you astray. See that no leaven is entered into the lump. Make sure that you're not hanging around with bad company because it will corrupt good morals. You see, the only way to get your shine on, the only way to let your light shine before others is for you to to be in the light yourself, for you to be daily walking in the light as he is in the light. In other words, turn your back on King Me. Turn away from the darkness of your sinful choices and focus completely, focus entirely, focus unreservedly upon God, always God. Now listen closely as I quote to you Psalm 34, verse 5. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Now let me repeat that. Psalm 34, verse 5. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Now remember, only God is light. In him... There is no darkness. So to let his light shine through you, you must be in continuous fellowship with the light, with God himself. Those who look to him are radiant. You cannot radiate God's glory when you are worshiping King Me. When you are choosing to stay in the dark, there's no light from which to draw from to be able to radiate. You must be constantly and consistently looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith, Hebrews 12.2. You must be looking to he who is the light of the world, John 8.12. I want you to think about the moon for a few moments. Yes, you heard right. I want you to think about the moon. Now, the reason that you're able to look up into the night sky and see the moon is not because that hunk of space rock has the ability to shine on its own. It is impossible for the moon to generate any form of light on its own. It has no light to to produce. To be seen by others, it must first see, if you will, the sun. It has to be looking directly at the sun. The moon radiates the light that it receives from the sun. A full moon means there's nothing standing between the moon and the sun. Nothing is blocking the ability of the moon to totally, completely reflect the light that it's seeing. However, when you see only part of the moon, it's because the earth 
is coming between the moon and the sun, and it's casting a shadow against the moon, thereby hindering the moon's ability to fully reflect the sun. The more of the earth that's in the way, the less of the moon you will see, the less of the reflection of the sun you will see. In the same way, as we saw a moment ago, those who look to him, those who look to the sun, those who place their full attention and full of focus upon God alone and don't let anything of the world get in between them, they are radiant and their faces are never ashamed. Psalm 34, 5. Now, let me draw your attention to an interesting text of scripture found in Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 35. Here's what it says. Listen to this. So Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. Now pause for just a moment. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something? Oh, to be Moses, to be with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. And the text goes on to say he didn't eat bread. He didn't drink water. He just spent time with the Lord. But listen as I read on. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Moses had to put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he'd remove the veil until he came out. When he came out, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. Exodus thirty-four twenty-nine through 35 The reason I bring out this passage of Scripture is because I, I want to submit to you that Moses is a living example of the truth of Psalm 34, 5. Those who look to him are radiant. The time that Moses invested with God, the time that he devoted to being in the light of God's presence, was directly reflected in the way he looked, the way he talked, the way he behaved. He shone. He radiated God's glory. Why? Because he was talking with God. Those who look to him are radiant. My friend, when you walk in God's light, when you invest time with your Heavenly Father daily, when you choose to turn your back on the darkness of King Me and devote, commit yourself to living in constant communion in the light of God's presence, you will radiate His glory. And those around you, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, will see a drastic change in your behavior, your attitude, your words, your actions. <laughs> in short, a drastic change in your life, all because your fellowship with God has brought about a change in your heart. So I suggest that one of the reasons that you have failed to defeat the three-headed dragon of lust, porn, and masturbation up to this point is simply because you have tried to change your behavior without first changing your heart. It's kind of like pinning paper wings on a worm and expecting to have a butterfly. You cannot change the behavior, without first changing the heart. As the prophet Samuel was in the process of interviewing Jesse's eldest son, Eliab, during his search for the next king of Israel, God said to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, 
Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. I have rejected him. In other words, God wasn't impressed by the external behavior that impressed everybody else. God wasn't won over by the things that Eliab did. God isn't won over by the things that you do. Why? God goes on to explain to Samuel that the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. In Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10, God says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? He then answers his own question by saying, I, the Lord, Jehovah, search the heart, and I test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds, Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. You see, my friend, this is why I continuously drive home the point that if you're going to change your behavior, you must first change your heart. Behavior modification may work as a temporary gap fix, but it will not last. It can't. Not until you get to the core of the problem, who is sitting on the throne of your heart. As I mentioned in a previous episode, the issue that you and I are struggling with is it's not lust. It's not pornography. It's not masturbation. It's, it's not alcohol or drugs, gluttony, gambling, anxiety, worry, fear. Those are not the problem. Those are the byproducts of the real problem. The real issue is a worship disorder. My friend, who is sitting on the throne of your heart? Whom are you worshiping? King me or Jesus? Your answer to that question is the answer as to why you're still struggling and cannot get free. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life, Proverbs 4.23. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23.7. What goes on in your heart is daily revealed in everything that you say and everything that you do. That's why God says in Proverbs 23.26, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. That's why David prayed in Psalm 51 verse 10, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Why, my friend, why must we do that? Because as Romans 8.29 says, God wants you and I to be conformed to the image of his Son so that his light shines brightly upon you and through you. Remember, my friend, the Lord, Jehovah, the almighty, all-powerful, most holy, sovereign creator of the universe cares about you, and he is your light. So walk in the light as he is in the light. Well, if you'd like to learn more about today's study, or if you're interested in learning more about our ministry, be sure to visit our website to see the multitude of resources that we've made available to you. Now, you can find our website at thepuritycoach.com. That's thepuritycoach, all one word, thepuritycoach.com. Well, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If this has ministered to you, if this has blessed you, challenged you, or encouraged you, I'd like to ask you to do two things. First of all, would you please let your friends know about the Point of Purity podcast? 
Would you help us help men and women across the globe win their war for sexual purity and live in freedom? Tell others about this podcast. And then second, and this is so important, please take 30 seconds right now. Go over to Apple Podcast and rate our program and this episode. Why? Because every time you do, your rating lets Apple know that this podcast is important. It is valuable. And your rating helps us get this program and this ministry into the ears and hearts of people just like you. So until next time, this is author, speaker, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you are going to glorify God in your everyday living, he must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. <laughs>